Well, we're going to continue to worship the Lord with our gifts and our tithes and our offerings. And uh, two things related to our giving, real quick, is number one, next week our missionary in India, Abraham, is going to be here with us on Sunday morning. So I'm really excited about that. And this is what he'll do. He'll come in here and he'll be like, oh, Pastor Jeremy, it's so good to be here. And he'll say, uh, he'll say I'm going to talk about five minutes about what's going on in India. And he'll talk for about 40 minutes on that. And then he'll say, and I have a short message for you. Um, and he's just incredible. So if you want to see, I think last year we put something like $25,000, $30,000 into supporting his ministry, which is incredible for a church our size, but God is just doing amazing things through this man and through his wife Joyce and their family. So uh, if, if you think that I bombed today and you're like, I don't know if I want to come back, well, come back because next week I won't be preaching. It'll be Abraham and he's awesome. So be encouraged. And then the other thing is that we are getting ready to move. We have two more services here in the theater after this week. And three weeks from today, on April 9th, we will be in our new building at 410 South Maple. And uh, man, I could not be more excited about that. It's happening. It's getting real. I'm about to sign the biggest check I've ever signed in my life. So. But it wasn't me. It was us that did that because we were obedient and faithful to what God called us to. I mean, it just still doesn't seem real. One of my buddies is having their five-year anniversary today of their church, and he's telling them all about what it is that God's doing up here in Ann Arbor and how we raised so much money in 14 days to be able to get a building. So thank you from the bottom of my heart that we can be generous with uh, missions all over the world and that we can be doing something that incredible here in our city as well to reach the people of this county. So God, as we give back to you, we're just so blown away by your generosity towards us. We're so blown away by your plans and your purposes and how you've just led us into them. And God, we pray uh, over Abraham and Christ for India, Jesus, that you would pour out more blessing, more anointing, more provision over that ministry, God, that there would still be millions yet that come to know you through uh, Abraham and Joyce's life submitted to you. And God, we're so grateful for this new building that you've opened up for us. And Jesus, we pray that as we move in, that your presence would go ahead of us. We're following you and to this building. Thank you for the generosity of this church. And Jesus, we pray that in this place there would be thousands who come to know you and find hope and they find freedom and that find their purpose in life because of what you've done on the cross and because of the obedience of this people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, as that's going around, uh, real quick, we're going in our series in uh, Luke, which is about investigating Jesus. It's all about saying, uh, we all know something about Jesus culturally from what our, our parents told us, from what other pastors have told us, from what media has told us. We have an idea of who Jesus is, but is this really who Jesus is? And so we're going through the book of Luke to really examine. It's an investigative report of the life, the teaching, the message of Jesus. So we're going through this really slowly, much slower than I anticipated. And we're supposed to be starting Luke chapter 2 today, but that's the Christmas story and uh, I want spring to come, so I am going to skip over the Christmas story right now. And we will come back to it in December, uh, but I, I just can't do it right now. We need warm thoughts. So we're skipping to the end of Luke chapter 2. And it's really an interesting story because the whole story is about losing Jesus. And it was a really timely story for me. Uh, last weekend, I was preparing my sermon. I was in the basement working on that, and Anna says, hey, I'm going to take... Uh, Eason out for a walk. Brielle's laying in her room, and I'm like, all right, sure, I'm, that's great. So she's sleeping. I'm just going to keep working on my message, and everything's going to be fine. And Eason and Anna are out taking a walk, enjoying life. And then after a while, Anna comes back in, and I just hear a scream, Brielle's gone! And I'm like, what? And 
so like my heart just flips out on me and I run up the stairs and I'm like looking around I'm like what are you talking about I came home and the door's open and she's not in her room and I'm like I never should have watched Taken and, uh, and so like every horrible scenario that could possibly happen is going through my mind now I'm just like how, what, I can't even believe this happened. And so we're looking around. It's freezing cold out. So I run to our backyard and I'm just screaming, like, Bree-ah! you know, my neighbor's like, what on earth is going on? And Anna's running down the road one way and I'm running down the road the other way. And I'm just like, we have to find her now. There is nothing in the world that is more important right now than finding my daughter. And thank God she hadn't gotten very far. She has a really bright, she's always wearing bright pink. So she's really easy to spot from a long ways off. But she just decided that she wanted some alone time, was going to go take a walk by herself. <laughs> and that's just Brielle. Yeah, that's just her. She just does stuff like that. And so, uh, you know, like, terror turned to relief, which turned to anger, which turned back to relief. And so I'd have the talk with, like, please don't, don't ever do that. But she's out there. She doesn't have a coat on. It's freezing cold. Three-year-old walking down the street by herself. And you always hear stories about that. And being the non-judgmental Christian that I am, I was like, who are these parents? Like, honestly, how does that happen? You're a parent. That's your biggest responsibility in life right now is that you have to look out for the well-being of your child. It's just irresponsible. Are you drinking? You know, like, what's going on? You are terrible parents. And I had an epiphany. I'm a terrible parent. And as I go back and I'm dealing with guilt and then still terror and I'm trying to think, how do I lock every door in the entire house from the outside? But then what if there's a fire? And I'm like trying to walk through, how is it that I keep this from never happening again? And I'm so glad I don't do social media anymore because everybody would know and judge me for that. And then I started taking some comfort because we're all narcissists like that. And if something terrible happens to you, you find somebody, well, at least it happened to someone else too. And as I'm preparing to preach this week, you know, I'm preaching on Mary and Joseph losing Jesus. Like, if I lost Brielle, that's bad, but, I mean, Mary, blessed above all women, she lost her kid too, so maybe it's not that bad. <laughs> so this is what happens. In Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 44, it says, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. I imagine Mary, as everybody else is kind of figuring out, like, oh, lost Jesus, did you? So this is God, right? You're the unwed mother that had this baby, and now you, know, you can't even keep track of your kids. Mary, get it together. And imagine the shaming that's going on for her at this moment. And there probably is, like, I think, like, are you drinking or something? There was probably some old person that was like, oh, Mary, I hope you find your kid. She's a drunk, you know? <laughs> and this is only confirmed to them when she asked Jesus to turn water into wine several years later. Like, I knew that she was a drunk. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I'm saying some bad stuff about Mary. <laughs> but it's easy to look at that and be like, seriously, you had one job. You were supposed to watch after Jesus and make sure he was okay and you left him behind, and you go an entire day without even noticing that he's there with you. Like, what kind of mom are you? But we can all relate to this story, because if you're a parent, probably at some point you have lost a kid, or you've been the kid that was left behind at the gas station on a family vacation, or something else has happened like that to you that was traumatic and has resulted in thousands of dollars of therapy bills. But if you're a Christian here today, 
and you've been a Christian for any length of time, then you can probably relate to what it must be like to lose Jesus. Unintentionally. But to have this point of where you're walking along and you're just going through your day, everything's happening, and you think, yep, I'm walking with Jesus, life is great, I'm following his plans and his purposes for me, and then you get to the end of the day and you're kind of like, Jesus? And you realize that somewhere along the way, you walked away from where Jesus was. That he wasn't with you in what it was that you were doing. I'm not saying that, like you've walked away, lost your salvation, renounced your faith or anything like that. But when you first made that decision to follow Jesus, something miraculous happened inside of you. There was new hunger that was stirred up to know him. There was passion inside of your heart. You felt and you experienced something that happened inside of your heart when you made a decision to follow Jesus. And you had passion for him. You're like, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do all of these things. I'm encountering God when I'm worshiping. Now all of a sudden these songs make sense to me and I'm, I've got little tears down my cheek because it's so beautiful to me and then life kind of goes on and you can get to the point of where you realize I've lost my passion for Jesus this relationship that I once entered into with him has grown cold it's grown stagnant I was walking so closely and, and so tightly with God and and somewhere along that way I, I just kind of lost him and I don't even really know how it was that it happened but if you've been a Christian for a while you've gone through a season in your life that was like that it's not something to be ashamed of. It's not the life we want to live. But it's a part of our faith journey. It's a part of most of our relationships and our experiences with humans and with God and every sort of relationship that we enter into. And we can learn a lot from the story about how it is that it happens. You see, we lose Jesus, number one, in the usual. Mary and Joseph are going to Jerusalem for the Passover, which they did every single year of their life. So they've made dozens of trips to Jerusalem from their town, which means the long walk to the city. Your family and your friends are all going with you. You go into Jerusalem. You celebrate the Passover. You make the sacrifice. You do all of these things. After it's all over, you walk back to your town again. And maybe when you're a kid, this is new and it's exciting. You have all of these memories that are happening because everything's just fresh to you. But as you continue to walk through this, that routine can become the usual for you. It's Passover again. We're going to go on into Jerusalem. We're going to make our sacrifice. We're going to come on back just like we do every single year. And that's what's happening for them. It's just the usual. It says that's what they usually did. It was their custom. And the usual is a dangerous place. Because in the usual, we disengage. How many of you have, you remember when you started a new job? And the first time you drove to your workplace, you remembered everything because you see all of the buildings, everything's new. You're trying to find out how to get there. You want to make sure you're getting there on time. And then years go by and you find yourself driving this over and over again. It's your usual thing that you do. You become disengaged. And then one morning, you just show up in your parking spot at work and you have no memory of the entire drive in. Does that happen to you? Yeah, it happens to me all the time, and it scares me to death because I'm like, did I hit anybody? Like, was I running red lights? Like, what was going on? My mind was so disengaged. I got involved in the usual routine that I just completely was oblivious to what was happening around me. My mind was other places than where it should have been. Most car accidents happen within two miles of your home. The reason for that is because that's where you're most comfortable. That's where you're most disengaged. That's where you most lose focus of what it is that you're doing and what you should be doing. You become distracted and you don't even see when it is that danger approaches you. 
Another thing is uh, marriages that fall apart, they usually fall apart in the usual. It's not that you say, I really want to tank my marriage. I want to see what I can do to destroy it. I want to become passionless in my marriage and just go through the motions. Nobody decides that's my plan for marriage, but it's what happens to us as we're going through the usual. You get married, that's awesome. You have your honeymoon, awesome. You come back, go back to work, terrible. But it's still new and it's fresh and you're going out on date nights and you're connecting. Uh, you're not just binge watching Netflix silently on other sides of the couch. You're, you're just, everything's new, it's fresh, but then you get into the routine. It's you wake up, you take the shower first, and then I take a shower, and then you leave. And, and you have a routine that you get into. It's just life as usual. Maybe it's okay, now we have to go get the kids, we gotta take them to practice, gotta pick up the kids, get them to blah, 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 do they do their homework, we gotta make the meal. All of these things just become usual life for you. And you begin to disengage. And as you disengage, that then opens up your heart for other people. It opens up your heart for other things. You fall out of love. All of these other things happen to you, and it's because you're just living in the usual. That's one of the most dangerous places for any marriage to be. It's what happens with uh, our kids. When we mess up and we raise little tyrants or whatever happens, it's not that we tried to do that or we tried to raise kids that had no relationship with us. It's that life was happening. It was the usual thing, we're going to work, there were projects, there were deadlines, there were family obligations for other people, there were friends that needed help, uh, church things that we had to do, and you're just not spending time with your kids, and then over time what happens through disengagement, they end up going far away from you, resenting you, resenting your line of work, your church, whatever it might be, and it wasn't that that was what you were trying to do, it was just what happened as you were going through the usual. Because then the usual will become unintentional. And being unintentional always produces unintentional results inside of us. You all want to retire, I'm assuming, someday, and you want to retire with some money so that you don't have to live in a state facility. Uh, so you're like, okay, I'm going to have money when I retire. Maybe I'll do some traveling, stuff like that. Well, have you figured out that that doesn't just happen to you unintentionally? If you don't budget for that, if you aren't saving for that, if you don't have a plan to be able to retire and do these things in retirement, money never saves itself, I've, I've discovered, the unintentional result of not being intentional is that you end up broke in retirement and living in the state facility. None of us ever want to you know, end up with heart disease someday. That's not our goal. We're not intentionally trying to get heart disease, but life is going on in the usual. And, you know, work is long, and it's easy to just grab some fast food or some donuts or whatever and eat those. And then it's easy to go home and just lay on the couch because you're tired and exhausted from a long day of work and you don't want to go to the gym. You're not trying to get heart disease and have a heart attack someday. It's the unintentional result of what's happening. Intentionality is a lot of work. It requires a lot of effort, but if we aren't intentional about something, then our unintentionality is going to lead us to places that we don't want to go and it's going to produce things inside of us that we don't want. They weren't trying to lose Jesus. That wasn't their plan. Like, okay, oh, you see that? Yeah, he's looking at the puppy. All right, go, 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 Mary. Let's go, go, go. They weren't trying to ditch him. It just happened unintentionally because they weren't engaged in what they were doing because they were just living life in the usual routine. Have you found yourself there? Have you found that happening in your relationship with Jesus? I never meant to be far from God. I never meant to have my passion for him just wither away and die and, 
and not know his presence in my life anymore. That wasn't my plan. If that was my plan, I could have done it a lot faster and had a lot more fun doing it. But it just happened over time. For me, that happened in my early 20s. And it all happened because I, was, I had something I was doing. You know, I'm in school. I'm working. Uh, I'm I just like, you know, I have friends. And so that's a lot of time that's going there. Before that season of my life, I'd been very intentional about pursuing Jesus, about building my relationship with him. So here's what intentionality looked like for me. It was reading my Bible every day. I had the reading plan. It was just reading the Bible through once in a year. Uh, it didn't take real long every day, but it just kept me coming back and listening to what it was that God had to say to me, learning about him, his character, his nature, learning about my identity, his plans, his purpose for me, what living a life of obedience looked like. It was just something that constantly kept me connected to him and what he had called me to be and what my life was supposed to look like. It was a daily prayer time where I was coming before God to meet him relationally. I'd not just give him my laundry list of things that I need or want him to do, but God, I want to know you. Uh, would you speak to me? I'm, I talk to you a lot, but I want you to talk to me. Creating those moments in my day to listen to him. It was worshiping. And back then, like it was, we didn't even have, I think like Napster had just come out. So we were just starting to steal MP3s from artists. But mostly it was listening to CDs and making little mix CDs and listening to worship songs. And just daily being in awe of who God is. Reminding myself of what it is that he's done for me. And stirring up my heart to love Jesus more and more. And that kind of life produced something inside of me. You don't live a life like that and walk away from Jesus. When you live that way, intentionally doing these things, passion grows inside of your heart. And you walk closely with God and you know him. You know the, the plan that he has for you and you walk into these things. But in this season where I got really busy with school and with work, uh, this is what unintentional plan looked like for me was I was working 30 hours a week, you know, doing like 16, 17 credit hours, which isn't insane, but when you add the 30 hours of work on there, that makes me pretty busy. And then I also had to play a lot of GoldenEye on the Nintendo 64 in the evenings with my friends, because you gotta have a social life. And, uh, and then I spent a lot of time uh, honestly, just like doing nothing with my friends, which is what you kind of do in college. And so all of these things, that I w they wasn't because I planned out this is how I want to spend my life. It just happened. I was in the usual routine of what college life was like for me. And in that usual, I stopped doing the intentional things to pursue Jesus. And when I stopped being intentional about my relationship with God, I started walking away from him, and I didn't even know it. I had no clue that I was growing relationally distant from Jesus because I was just doing the usual, just like we all do. There's a usual that you have for your day, and it will lead to unintentional consequences in your life. You have to be very intentional about pursuing and developing your relationship with Jesus and continuing to seek after his presence. And the reason that I didn't even notice that this was happening was because, number two, we lose Jesus in the assumptions. I just thought he was there. He'd always been there. Why wouldn't he be there now? That's what happened to Mary and Joseph. They just assumed that Jesus was there with them. When they left the city, he had always been there with them when they left the city. And with their whole convoy that's leaving, he's always been there. I assume that he's just there. Now, what they could have done was they could have checked to see, like, hey, Jesus, the Savior of the world anywhere in here? There we go. We're good. Let's go. But they just didn't check because they assumed that he was there just like he had always been. So as I'm just doing life, I'm in the usual, 
going through things. I didn't even notice that I was drifting away from love and from passion for Jesus and from his plans and his purposes for me because he had always been there. And I just assumed that he still was. And it wasn't until I got to a point where I was farther away. I came to this kind of a moment of crisis in my life. And so that's when you turn to Jesus, right? It's like, well, I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm hurting, I'm broken, all these things. I don't understand what's going on. But, you know, at least I've got Jesus, right? Jesus? And I discovered it wasn't that Jesus left me. It was that I had walked away from an intimate, passionate relationship with him. My heart had gone other places. And I now found myself in a place of where I didn't even really know who he was and I didn't even know how to get back to him. And so here's what happens as we continue in Luke chapter 2. Uh, as Mary and Joseph are looking for him, it says, But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Now, it's really easy to read that passage and not get the full emotion that's behind it. But remember, they lost their, their child. Their son, Jesus. Who, If you're a parent, you know what it's like to love them with all of your heart. And he's gone. It's evening. They've been walking a long ways. They're probably 12 miles away from Jerusalem by this point. And it's night. And so they go to find their son and they look around. He's not there. Put yourself in that place. Whole day has gone by and you haven't seen your kid. And now you're looking for him and you go to your friends and you're going to your family and you say, hey, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen my kid? Do you know where my boy is? And you're looking around. Nobody's seen him. Nobody knows where he is. What do you think is happening inside of Mary and Joseph's heart at this moment? What was happening inside of your heart when you lost your kid, when you didn't know where they were? I know what's happening in my heart. I was frantic. I was terrified. In just that moment, I've been just working on my message. I love you, Jesus. You're so good. To, oh my gosh, my life is over. Like, even if we find her, my life is probably still over because I was watching her and Anna's going to kill me. <laughs> but something was stirred up inside of me where there was an immediate need now and that there was nothing that could deter me from going out and finding my daughter. If I had not found Brielle to this day, I would be out there searching for her, I would be out there calling her name, and I'd have you all out there with me looking for her. I would not stop. I would not rest. Mary and Joseph, after they look around and they don't see Jesus anywhere, they think, we've got to backtrack. Maybe he's on the road somewhere. Maybe he fell behind. And so they go back and they're going to Jerusalem and they're probably not just leisurely walking with their walking sticks. No, they're tearing down that road looking for their son. Everywhere, they're frantic. They're searching for him because he's the most important, the most incredible thing in their life and they're looking for him. They need to find him. That's this desire, it's this need that they just have to have inside of them. They get all the way back to Jerusalem. Still, they haven't found their son. And they start going around. It's a big city. This is a huge city at the time. There's so many people. What could have happened to him? And they're going around. It says for three days, They're searching the city. After going all the way back, remember it's nighttime, so they're going all the way back to Jerusalem at night. 
They get back to Jerusalem, and for three days they're searching. And they're probably not staying in nice hotels or taking leisurely brunch breaks and stuff. They're not eating. They're not sleeping. They don't care about not showing up for work the next day. They don't care about any of these things. The only concern that they have is they need to find Jesus, and they need to have their son back with them. They need to be reunited to him, and they're not going to stop searching. They're not going to give up until they have that. And finally, they come to this place after three days of searching, after three days of crying and praying and begging and pleading and running around. And they find their son. Can you imagine the elation that must have come over them? At first when they saw him, that relief that must have been there. And then it turns to like, why would you do this to us, Jesus? And they're mad at him. And then it's back to the, we're just so glad you're okay and that we're back together again. That's the story of Mary and Joseph losing Jesus and then desperately searching and seeking him out again. And that has to be the story for us. If we've gone to that place where we've relationally grown cold, where we don't know him like we once knew him, if we're not passionate about who he is and his kingdom cause, if we're not desperate for his presence and his will to be played out inside of our lives, to be transformed into his image, if we've lost Jesus, then there is nothing more important to you right now than running after him and finding him again and developing that relationship and that closeness with him. Nothing is more important. I would have blown off this job. I would have quit this job if I had to to find my daughter and get her back. So many times, I just don't have the time for it. You know, I got this project, I got this work. You know what? If it means that you have to quit your job to know Jesus, then quit your job. Well, you know, I I got a, you know, there's a Breaking Bad marathon on, so I got to kind of watch that. Who cares? Cancel cable. What is more important than anything else in all of this world is knowing Jesus, not just knowing about him, not just singing songs about him or reading Christian blogs about him. It's great that there's all of these things, but we need to know him ourselves. This can't just be a religion for us. This can't be a set of beliefs that we adhere to. This has to be us coming and encountering the living God who came for us, who laid himself down on the cross to die for us, to restore us to relationship with him. The God who pursued us in that way is worth us pursuing in return. And everything else in this world is worth dropping and leaving and walking away from so that we can have that kind of a relationship with Jesus. I would have given up everything in this world to have my daughter back. If she had been gone and I hadn't been able to find her, there isn't one thing that I would have held back to have her again. Not one thing. Because nothing in this world is worth what she is. And how much more valuable is Jesus to us? But how easy is it to just walk away because we're in the usual, because we're making assumptions, and then just feel defeated when we realize this. This is what happened to me. I remember when I had that moment of where I realized I don't know Jesus. Like I've, I've just walked away. I, I, don't, I haven't been checking in with him to see, like, hey, I'm considering doing this. Uh, what do you want me to do? I haven't been relationally connecting with him in months, maybe years. I don't even know how long it's been. And this was the fear that came to me, was that I can't know him again. After what he did for me, after he came and he died on the cross for me, after his blessings that have been poured out on me, after how good he's been to me, there's no way that he's going to take me back again after I just walked away from him. But that's a lie. 
the reason that you even noticed the fact that you had become distant from him was because he was calling out to you. And he was calling you back to himself. He's saying, remember what it used to be like. Remember the love that I have for you. Remember what it was like when you would spend time in my presence, when you would seek after me. Remember that. And it's stirring something up inside of our hearts so that we want to run back to him. So that we'll be like Mary and Joseph and we'll search everywhere and we'll go all the way back and we'll search for three days without eating or sleeping. We'll give up everything else because the one thing that we want in this life more than any other is to know Jesus. And this is the point that I've gotten to in my life. I'm very grateful that I have a warm home. It's a good home. I'm very grateful that I have reliable transportation. I'm reliable that my wife does shopping for me and I get to wear clothes. I'm very grateful for my wife, for my family. I love this job. What, like, this is my dream job that I'm doing. I am a blessed man. I love all of these things, but you can take all of this away from me and leave me with nothing as long as I have Jesus. Because it's the only thing in this world that really matters. So many times we spend our life in the usual, doing things that aren't really important, things that in comparison are insignificant. And it takes all of our time, it takes all of our energy, it takes all of our affection. And we get to the end and we realize that we sacrificed the one truly great thing that we had in this life, the one thing that really mattered for a whole bunch of junk that led us nowhere. You can take everything else from me so long as I have Jesus. And I'll spend my entire life pursuing him, pursuing that relationship, running after him. And as I found myself in that moment of where I realized I don't know God and I don't even know how to know him again or if he will even want to know me, this is the verse that really spoke to my heart. It's in 1 Chronicles 28.9. It says, and this is David speaking to his son Solomon as he's getting ready to take over. It says, And Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. What David's telling his son this is some of the last advice that he gives to him as David knows that he's about to transition into eternity, that his son is going to take over as the king of Israel. And he says, this is the most important thing. He doesn't say, here's the, here's the tax plan that you need to implement. Here's the economic thing. Here's the, the national security interest that you need to take care of. He says, this is the most important thing for your life is that you need to learn to know God intimately. Not just know about him. Not just go to church, sing some songs, be in a group, whatever. Those are good things. But the most important thing is that you know God intimately. That's the holy possible that we all have. The God who spoke you into being, the God who created all that is, all that will ever be. The God who came down and died to redeem you and to restore you is the God who wants to know you intimately. That's why Jesus went to the cross. 
to restore us relationally to him so that we didn't have to live separate from God, so we didn't have to live apart from him. If you're just a Christian because you believe in Jesus, if you're just trying to live a life you know, following our teachings because you think it's a thing to do, you're missing out. The reason why I do the things I do is because of the love that I've found in Jesus. That's what leads me into everything else that I do. I live the life I do because of the love that I found in Jesus. We can know him intimately. And if you don't know him intimately right now, then don't give up. Run after him. Because he's calling you to that. And the promise that every one of us has is that if we seek him, we will find him. And it doesn't just say that here. This is something that it goes into Jeremiah, it goes into the New Testament, even Jesus says this, Paul says this, is that when we seek after God, the promise that every one of us has is that we will find him. Because he's already made the first move. Because as much as we need to seek after him, it's only because he first has come and sought us out. When we were far from him because of our sin, Jesus looked down and said, I'm willing to sacrifice everything so that I can have my daughter, so that I can have my son, so that we can have an intimate relationship together, so that they can walk in the plans and the purposes that I have for them, so that they can walk in my blessing on their life, so that they don't have to live in bondage anymore, but that they can live in freedom. Jesus came seeking after you because of his great love and his affection for you. And it's because of that love that we've encountered in Jesus that now we want to seek after him. And every sacrifice that we might have to make to do that, even though it might seem really big and it might be hard to take that first step to walk into it, we find that the reward is so worth it. It is so worth it knowing Jesus. And that's why we worship him wholeheartedly with all of our heart, with all of our mind. We're seeking after him. We want to know him. And as we do that, as we run to him, he's so faithful to come. He's so faithful to answer us. It's what he's waiting for. It's what he's calling you to. So this morning, the question for you is have you lost Jesus somewhere along this road of life that you've been walking? He was there and you just kind of walked off in the usual, in the assumptions and unintentionally you've walked away from that intimate relationship with him. This morning, Jesus is here specifically to restore you. He's here to show himself to you. And this morning, if you'll just take that first step of turning towards him, you're going to be blown away by the love, the acceptance, the forgiveness, just God's presence that you will experience in your life. Just that one step turning back towards him will change your life. So this morning, let's just take a moment to be silent before the Lord and, and seek him out. God, you search our hearts and you know us. You know every thought that's in us. God, if we've been just walking in the usual and we've been making assumptions, 
right now, we're intentionally checking, evaluating our relationship with you. Are you in what we're doing? Am I experiencing and encountering your presence? God, what is my passion for you like right now in my heart? And if Jesus is calling you to more, I don't want you to feel ashamed. I don't want you to feel guilty about that. I just want you to be thrilled that God is calling you to more, that there's more than what you have. There's more that's possible, that he's made possible for you, and he's calling you to that now. And just as a sign before the Lord, you'd be so bold just to raise your hand with me, saying, Jesus, I want more of you. Forgive me for the way that I've been distracted, the way I've been assuming, all of these other things that I've been doing, but Jesus, I hear you calling to me, and I'm responding to you now. That's me, Jesus. I want more of you. I'm going to seek you. God, I'm taking you at your promise that I'm going to find you as I seek Seek after you. Yes, thank you. And this is the prayer then that we're going to pray as a people. Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness. Even when I was faithless, you were faithful. Thank you that your love for me isn't like my love for you. That it's unending. That it never ebbs and flows. But it's constant. And Jesus, this morning, do a new work in me. You said you'd reveal yourself to me. So God, I'm taking you at your word. Reveal yourself. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your affection. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, would you speak to me of who I am in you? as a son, as a daughter of the living God. God, would you stir up passion inside of my heart from this day forward. I'm seeking after you intentionally wanting to know you. Take everything else away from me so long as I have you, Jesus. Amen. And if you were praying that prayer that morning, if God stirred up hope inside of your heart, he is doing a new work inside of you. He's fanning a flame inside of you. And I encourage you, go home. Seek after Jesus. Make that a part of your priority every week. You're going to start out your morning by running after him. Read your Bible. Pray. Worship. Uh, make sure that you're attending church. Get involved in a group. Take intentional steps to continue to walk after Jesus and to search him out and to seek him out and to know him because it's the greatest pursuit in all of this life and there is nothing else that is like it and you will be amazed every single day. This is my prayer. Jesus, today I want to love you more than I did yesterday and every day when I'm intentional about that, I'm amazed because I love him even more than I did the day before. And he'll do the same thing in you. And 20 years from now, should we all be healthy enough to be here in 20 years, when you look back at who you were this day, March 19th of 2017, you will be amazed at what God has done in you and how much love you have for him, how clearly you hear him, and how you're walking into the fullness of all of his plans and his purposes for your life. If you're new here today, awkward transition. 
If you're new here today, we're so glad that you were here with us. Uh, you're our guest, and you might have received a communication card when you came in. If not, they're on the outside aisles or at the information table. We'd love to have you fill one of those out. And this week, I'll send you an email and welcome you to the church. And then also, um, you'll get a free Radiant t-shirt as our gift to you, a way of saying thanks so much for being here. We know there's a lot of things you could have done, but you chose to be here, and we're honored by that. Also today, we have our Next Steps class, Discover. So if you've ever wanted to know an idea of what God's plans and purposes are for you, well, we believe that's revealed by the way that he designed you. You have a unique personality, you have unique gifts that God has put inside of you, and he gave you these things for a purpose to be used for the plans that he has for you. So if you want to know more about what God has planned out for you, then just go to our next steps table after we let out, and they'll um, direct you to our room where we're going to be having the meeting in there. Lunch is provided, and uh, this is the best Next Steps class we do. Sorry for everybody else, but this is the best one. It's the most fun. So I'd encourage you, go there and start figuring out what God's plans and purposes are for you based on the way that he's designed you. Uh, I'm going to call my prayer partners forward. They're going to be right here in this middle section and the front section. And if there's anything that we can pray with you about, we would love to do that. If you want to know Jesus more, Come, let us pray for you. Let us agree with you in that. Let us pray blessing over you and that God would do something miraculous in your life. Or if you need healing, if you need uh, wisdom for a decision, whatever it is, come, let us pray. Jesus just does amazing things every single week in response to the prayers of his people. Remember, uh, in three weeks, if you come here for church, you will be watching a movie instead because we will be at our new home at 410 South Maple. So get that on your calendars and come celebrate with us. If, uh, go out, drink some coffee, eat some snacks, make some friends, enjoy some movie posters because it's all going away soon. God bless. See you next week.